Get your broadband moving all around your home so you can start flexing in the living room. And that sourdough can start rising in the kitchen. For streaming from the front door to the attic, connect with our best ever Wi-Fi all around your home. Sky Broadband. Your world is limitless. For more information, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. We pay our respects to them and their cultures and to elders both past, present and emerging. Low mood today here in the murder and the Loz, me, 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 the murder the and the land studios. of <laughs> the Loz studios. It's been a hard week, I think, for a lot of people. But uh, us three, we've all checked in. I was a two. Zane was a three. I think that's the first time I've been below Zane on the uh, check-in scale. And um, Ellen was a four. So that, what did you say, Ellen? 2.33 recurring? 2.33 recurring. I like that I'm the sunny, optimistic one at a nice, healthy four. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a rainbow of positivity here in everybody's lives at my four. Uh, Well, um, first off, some good news. Uh, We want to say thank you to Ashley and Emily who have joined our Patreon family. Uh, If you would like to join our Patreon family, uh, the link will be in the show notes for you. There is Patreon-only content. We've got Mitlu After Dark, which is a little... uh, Our sexy show where we talk about saucy, scandalous... sexy episodes. (laughs) No, it's Um, not like that at all, actually. No, uh, they're little episodes on getting to know Ellen and I on personal levels. Um, we also do uh, Patreon-only cases, so either cases that Patreons have asked us to do. Um, one of our lovely Patreons, Jamie, has requested that we cover the BTK uh, serial killer, so I'm going to give that a crack because I do quite like that case. Um, so, yeah, if you would like to join, please feel free. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much to Ashley and Emily for um, supporting us on the Patreon. Love you. Really appreciate it. Um, I don't think I've mentioned this in a little while, but we do still have our merch on TeePublic. And where's the what's the other place that's got our merch? Oh, Redbubble as well has the Mitlu uh, merchandise. Um, we will be doing a uh, smaller merchandise sort of thing to um, raise some money for um, – a First Nations organization coming up soon. We'll let you know when that is available because you should all hit that up. Um, obviously, if you want to get in contact with us, there's our socials and stuff like that. So really, it's really, really nice to connect with you guys, um, especially with what's happened um, uh, last week. Uh, yeah, it was last week, wasn't it? Or was it this week? Has this week just been so incredible? It was like long? this week. It was this week. It's Sunday. It was this week. Oh, okay. Um, obviously, we're talking about the horrific, horrific murder of um, Hannah Clark and her three children, uh, Tay, um, Trey, sorry, um, uh, Aaliyah and uh, Layana. Um, if you haven't heard what's happened, um, basically, uh, Hannah and her three children were uh, murdered by. Uh, 
Hannah's estranged husband. Um, they were uh, basically burnt alive in a car in Camp Hill in Brisbane. So obviously with it being in now hometown is very, yeah. yeah. Um, my friend Eleanor, who was like moving house that day, that's right, it was uh, Wednesday that it happened. Um, she was like moving house in like an area just um, further out and basically saw the first responders heading oh, out. Damn. Um, we had a phone call at work from someone whose niece was one of the first responders and she was sending her flowers to make her feel better, obviously, because that would have been a really horrific thing, obviously, for the entire Baxter family and their friends and family, but also um, yeah, the first the people responders. that come up to that scene, you know, obviously when you get into a job like that, you know you're going to see some rough shit, but I don't yeah. think, you know, there's nothing about the human mind that can prepare you for actually seeing something like that in person so I can't imagine Um, the strength it takes to do something like that exactly I know Um, I ain't got it no and um it's probably one of the most horrific things that I could imagine ever happening um three children with their parents you know Mm. very normal thing heading in the car and now they are dead exactly it really Um, reminded me um of the the uh, Josh Powell, which is a really famous case from America. If anybody's listened to the podcast Cold, um, you should because it's really good. But it was a similar kind of story. He murdered his wife and then he uh, hid her body. And then uh, a time later, he locked his two children in his house and set it on fire. Thankfully, oh in sarcastic quotation marks, he killed the children before he set the house on fire. But like when I when I first heard about this case in the news, I was like, "Oh, this is this is you know." Unfortunately, it's almost a tale as old as time that this is this is something that happens with upsetting regularity. Yeah, and um, like that's the conversation that's happening at the moment. Um, there was a press conference done by one of the lead investigators here in Brisbane, and um, it just goes to show the um cavalier sort of ingrained attitudes that us as a society have about domestic violence Mm -hmm. um and domestic and domestic abuse and domestic incidences um where he sort of inadvertently and I will like state this like he wasn't being malicious he wasn't you know ranting or anything like Mm -hmm. that he just made a very cavalier comment about and very offhand um about um the perpetrator I'm not going to name him because he doesn't deserve it um basically being driven to doing what he did to Hannah and their children um and it's that sort of attitude is that like that's what we are combating as people every day I I was about Mm -hmm. to say as women um there was there's a um actor in Sydney who I know from friends of friends his name is Toby Francis um and he wrote this incredible statement on his Facebook I'm not going to read the whole thing but um he's basically talking about domestic violence in Australia and also like you know being a man and you know how you you deal with your like how as men they deal with their anger and their emotions and their feelings um, and he was talking about a story 
that when him and his partner a few years ago, when they were like first started living together, together, um, when they would fight or argue, um, Toby used to um, like break things. Like he would smash a plate or like break a broom or something. And he was in the car with someone, a friend of his, and was telling him about the arguments that they were like that they were having in him like smashing things and his friend basically said to him under no circumstances are you to do that ever again and Mm -hmm. he wasn't like this friend was very cool and calm about it but was obviously extremely distressed by what Toby had said Mm -hmm. um and then obviously Toby's gone through the um he's gone through therapy he was also diagnosed with ADHD which is like being treated with medication and Mm -hmm. you know he's getting therapy and you know probably being a lot more open and honest about his feelings and emotions and basically he just said you know like I never thought that I would be capable of you know that escalating into something violent against his partner but he doesn't know that yeah exactly no one knows like you know whatever behavior you execute at home you have no idea like where that's going to escalate to Mm -hmm. Um, and he said something really important because I know that this is like, I, I found this in traits with guys that I know or men that I've interacted with, um, this whole good guy thing, this whole like, oh, well, I'm a good guy because mm-hmm. I do this or I didn't do that because I'm a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said something that I absolutely loved. Um, we must end the myth of the good man. It is only, um, it isn't only bad men who are susceptible to perpetrating domestic violence. Good men are only a couple of hundred incremental changes away from being bad men, which is why good men don't think they become, they can become bad men and bad men don't think they've changed. And I thought that was so profound and incredible. Um, and yeah, as he says, like he dealt with his anger by like getting professional help and, you know, having a, like a tool belt essentially of how to deal with these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, dealing with his shame and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. he ends with, um, and we must be better men. We must be better husbands and partners. We must be better fathers and we must be better mates like my friend was to me. Nothing will change us without us changing ourselves, without holding our friends and family members accountable. Change can only truly come from us because it starts there and it ends there. It starts and ends with us. So um, I also just want to say like if there is, um, if you do need help, like if you use, you yourself are, you know, maybe struggling mm-hmm. with um, anger or something like that or if you yourself are in a domestically violent or you feel like it's on your way to becoming a domestically violent situation there is a lot of um people that you can contact I won't name them all here but I'll send it along to Ellen and she'll pop it in the show notes so obviously like 1-800-RESPECT men's line beyond blue headspace reach out like there's so many people that you can talk to Mm -hmm. but yeah it's incredible this statement by Toby who's a you know actor from Sydney and it's been shared over 56 like oh no 50,000 times that's amazing that's amazing it's very very true and I think that you know anybody male or female if you're noticing 
you know, toxic behaviours in yourself or in your relationship, like, you can, it's something that can be remedied and a lot of time all people need is help. Exactly right. And as we've said many times when we've talked about um, familiar side or stuff like that, like, you're never beyond help. Like, Mm -hmm. if you do feel like you're starting to slip or you're starting, you know, things are starting to get bad, there's always someone to talk to. It never has to get to that point. There is no excuse Mm-hmm. You know, no one can drive you to behave like that. Exactly, like I was going to say, there is no driven to. No. Anyway. As, as we've said, and as we always will say, we do not victim blame here. It was not the fault of Hannah. It was not the fault of her children. No. He obviously had some issues that were going on that he wasn't dealing with, and he murdered them. Mm-hmm. And that is That's that. long and the short of it. Yeah. So as more information comes out, We'll talk about it, but obviously right now is the time for that family to to grieve and to come to terms with what's happened. And I think that's what a lot of people in this country are doing right now. And I hope that this once again just doesn't become another situation where we just say, oh, thoughts and prayers, whatever. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is the time for us to acknowledge the epidemic of domestic violence in Australia and how it is killing women and children and men every day exactly we don't want any more hannah clocks no thank you okay oh my god okay so um now we'll get cracking on the actual case that we were planning on talking about planning on talking about today but very important that we mention that the big kahuna so we should chat quickly about how this is going to break down the initial part of the case, like the initial disappearance um, and the lead up is not going to take a very long time. So that's what this first episode's going to be. It's going to be a short one, obviously, because I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. But Ellen is going to be handling the trial and we'll also be talking about the inquest and stuff like that, which is what the big portion of this case is. Um, we'll be handling that in part two, which will be coming out next week. But we just want to give you some like lead up information and it just would be too big across one whole episode. So that's why we've decided to split it up because we're also going to talk about today the cultural impacts of this case. This is the case. This is probably the most famous Australian. It's not even really a murder technically. Spoiler alert. And that's the thing. It's not. um, But the impact of this is just like... You know, it's it's up there with, like, Crocodile Dundee in terms of, like, things people not from Australia know about Australia. Interesting that you say that because, like, that whole 1980s era, mm-hmm. very – people were becoming really fascinated with Australia. Yeah. That's when, like, that's – you know, we talked, we've talked about that in a few episodes, um, mm. especially our Ivan Milat episode and the Peter Falconio episode, that Crocodile Dundee – and all of that was like what drove tourism to Australia in the 80s and 90s. And, you know, the <laughs> the various backpacker slayings and also this case um, are one of those these things that actually had an impact on the Australian tourism industry because people were like, hmm, maybe I don't want to go to that that continent where all that bad shit happens. But anyway, Jess, what, what are we talking about? What's the name? What so is it? So today we're going to be talking about uh, the disappearance of Azaria Chamberlain. And the subsequent trial and conviction of her mother, Lindy Chamberlain Creighton, um, and then the inquests into the death Mm -hmm. and disappearance. All right. 
1980. Cast yourselves back. Print. Print. Books. Quite the haircuts. Everyone was wearing shorts and everyone was wearing sandals that were not attractive. That's Um, now. Yeah. I am so... Can I just... Okay. I'm putting my hands up. I am so sick of Birkenstocks. Oh, no. I'm sick of them. I love an ugly sandal. I'm all about the foot health. You've got to have a good, comfortable pair of shoes. I am so sick of Birkenstocks. I'm so sick of them. Luckily, Eleanor doesn't listen to this podcast because, like, her and Liam, that's what they wear is Birkenstocks, but I'm just sick of them. They're comfy, Jess. Some of us like to have comfortable feet. I don't like toes. Um, Okay. (laughs) Quote of the episode, but let's begin it, shall we? (laughs) Okay, so uh, Lindy Chamberlain Creighton was born Alice Lynn Murchison on the 4th of March 1948 in Wakatane on the North Island of New Zealand. So let's be real, the main people that were involved in this disappearance, they actually weren't Australian, they were Kiwi. Bloody Kiwis. Um, So when she, uh, but you know, she was only there for 20 months and then she moved to Australia, so fair enough. She's she's Russell Crowe, she's technically (laughs) Australian. She's Russell Crowe. That's so wild. I keep forgetting that he's Kiwi. Same with Sam Neill. But they consider themselves to be Australian. Sam Neill will come up at some point today as well. Hell Not yeah. that he was involved in the disappearance, but... Oh, my God. Sam um, Neill did it? What? What? <laughs> Crazy. Um, so she then moved to Victoria um, when she was 20 months old. 20 months. So the, what? That's like a year and eight months. Um her dad was a pastor and then they obviously like moved like around, around quite a bit. churches and stuff. Uh, so uh, 18th of November, 1969, uh, she married Michael Lee Chamberlain, who was also born in New Zealand. Um, after their marriage, they moved to Tasmania. Hell yeah. Where they lived for five years while Michael pastored in churches there. Um, then they had their first child, um, Aidan Lee, who was born on the 2nd of October, 1973. Um, In 1974, Lindy received her dressmaking, tailoring and drafting certificate at Launceston Technical College. Um, The Chamberlains then moved to uh, northern Queensland where Reagan Michael Chamberlain was born in Bowen on the 16th of April 1976. Uh, During their time in Queensland, Lindy specialised in making wedding dresses in order to order as well as um, performing normal duties as, you know, being a pastor's wife. Um, and then they later moved to Innisfail and then they moved once again onto Mount Isa where on the 11th of June, oh my 1980. God. That's Jess's birthday. That's Jess's birthday. Jess has the same birthday as Azari Chamberlain. She's That's a Gemini. really weird. Um, on 11th of June, 1980, Azaria Chantel Lauren Chamberlain was born. Okay, so... Basically, nine weeks later, uh, the Chamberlains decide to go on a holiday to uh, what was called Ayers Rock, but was and always will be Uluru. As we said, Uluru. Uluru. Rock the fuck on. Rock the fuck on. (laughs) Always was, always will be Aboriginal land huns. That is our official stance. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, So the Chamberlains left the family home in their yellow hatchback Turana, whatever that means, um, for a holiday. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm just laughing. You're funny. Oh, look. 
um, for Central Australia. So they arrived at Uluru um, on the 16th of August in 1980, obviously. Uh, They pitched a tent next to their car at the campsite. And then on the 17th of August, the next day, that's the thing about this whole thing, tried to get like a timeline of them, like what they do when they go to Uluru. I know that they like, she, there's like a very famous photo of Lindy with baby Azaria, like on the rock, mm-hmm. like holding, holding her, her up. On the rock. She looks way bigger than nine weeks old, which is crazy. Some but anyway, some babies are big. Some babies are big. Um, so yeah, not entirely sure of like what the Chamberlains actually got up to on Uluru. Um, probably white people things, just you know, climbing it, climbing things that are sacred to the. First Nations people of this country, no worries. Let's not be too hard on the Chamberlains. I think oh, they, no, got, no, no. they got enough. They got I'm just enough angry about them. white people in general and their behaviours towards Uluru. But yeah, there's not a lot of information about their actual activities when they were at Uluru. But then again, it was only a day. Um, so then Sunday the 17th at around 8pm, um, Azaria was in the tent. Um, so around 8, they heard like a cry. Um, so then obviously Lindy went to inspect, you know, make sure that Azari was okay. Went in. She'd seen a dingo, famous words. The dingo, like, was carrying something, but she didn't get a good look as to what it was, and the dingo bolted off. So then she looks in the tent. They see, like, specks of blood, like not like a heap and heap of blood, but, like, specks of blood. She calls out, she says, Dingo has got my baby, famous words, and then they go and try and find Azaria because there's no sign of her anywhere. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's this report that Lindy had seen a Dingo um, and basically like they had tracked around the area with um, uh, First Nations trackers as well, but it was, you know, obviously very dark. They couldn't find her. Um, And then... Uh, So then um, there was this massive search all done, um, but Azaria wasn't found. But then her jumpsuit that she had been wearing was discovered about a week later. That was about 4,000 metres from the tent and it was bloodstained around the neck. So that indicated that Azaria was probably dead. Um, But she was wearing like a jacket at the time like that's what Lindy kept on saying that she was wearing as she said like a matinee jacket and I matinee it's like a it's like a it's like a cardigan why don't you just say thing eh, maybe I don't know I'm not giving grief to Lindy Chamberlain by the way I'm just confused as to the language of 1980 Australia um so yeah the matinee jacket that she was said to have been wearing wasn't found Mm -hmm. um so basically from day dot Michael and Lindy had said a dingo took Azaria. Mm-hmm. And people, let's just say, were sceptical, to say the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so, like, all of this, like, stuff had been done and, you know, trying to figure out, like, what had happened to baby Azaria. Um, you know, they held vigil like trying to like wait for word on like any sign of Zaria but you know obviously once that they found the jumpsuit you know it was a so obviously yeah so obviously the media descends because it's a nine week old baby it's a nine week old baby and especially with it being at Uluru which is a very obviously culturally extremely significant 
um, like it's one of the most infamous images of Australia, yeah, I would say. Like up famous places in Australia, massive yeah. tourist site. A dingo taking a baby from Uluru is like because like the my- reporters would have been like, "Fuck yes!" Also, it's terrible, but like, "Fuck yeah!" The newspapers. But like the thing that I find really interesting about this case. Because, like, obviously, I think maybe with us being in proximity to Fraser's, Fraser Island where mm. there's a lot of dingo activity and it's mm-hmm. very, like, common knowledge that they are vicious. The, and they're not that afraid of humans. Like, they'll get up in you. Yeah. Like, I just feel like it's common knowledge that dingoes will fuck you up because they are a wild dog. Yeah. Like, that's what they are. But, like, everyone was like, oh, but dingoes, like, oh. They... It's, it's like, like a wolf taking a baby. You wouldn't, exactly. you wouldn't be like, you wouldn't be shocked. You'd be like, sounds like the kind of thing a wolf would do. Once again, I feel like it's just like the rhetoric of. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. So um, basically the jumpsuit was found, the booty, the nappy and the singlet, but the jacket was still missing or the cardigan was missing. Um, so that was on April t- uh, on August 24th, I beg your pardon. Um, so then the 1st and the 2nd of October was when the police statements uh, were given by all of the Chamberlains, so their, their older children and um, obviously Lindy and Michael, and then the car was searched. The Toronto, whatever that means... <laughs> Um, so then the inquest was sort of opened on the, um, like December 15th, 1980 and, uh, Northern Territory coroner at that time was Dennis Barrett. Um, so that obviously inquest take a lot of time. There's a lot of information that the coroner has to go through, go through and all that sort of stuff. Um, but the initial, like the initial coroner, like coroner inquest said that Azaria was in fact taken by a dingo taken by a dingo mm-hmm. i mean we all know now i assume Shh, don't spoil it i mean everybody knows it's so famous i mean it's yeah so um basically they found out that well the coroner believed that azaria was in fact taken by a dingo and that her parents lindy and michael weren't implicated mm-hmm. but then this whole like the really fascinating like the big thing that we're going to talk I, that i want to talk about on this case is like the whole cultural impact of what this case like actually mm-hmm. did to Australia because the really cooked thing that I found, there's a museum here in Australia. I think it's the National Australian Museum. They've got articles of clothing of Azaria's. So they've mm-hmm. got her dress. So this is the this is the National Museum of Australia. Mm-hmm. And they've got articles of Azaria's clothing. So people were like really quick to jump down Lindy Chamberlain's throat mm-hmm. because she just wasn't acting the way that everybody thought a mother of a missing or missing and presumed dead child, child would act. Yeah. Was acting, you know? So, um, I mean, and also like, I don't know why everybody was jumping down their throats about being seventh day Adventists. I think because, you know, Australia in general is not super accepting of people who are different and seventh day Adventists are a bit weird. Apparently. I don't know a lot about them. Yeah, I don't like. They just can't work on Saturdays, apparently. And I mean, fair enough. I think working um, on Saturday sucks. Well, like, what have we got? <laughs> you don't even get penalty rates. But I think a lot of the the um, the kind of response to that was because they were very they were quite evangelical. I don't know if you can be an evangelical Seventh Day Adventist, but you know, uh, Lindy and Michael were both kind of quoting 
Bible verses and stuff like that while they were questioned. Well, and Azariah was named, like, it was Azariah's, like, traditional Hebrew name as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that people just thought they were kind of, like, weird fundies, you know. They have, like, a health and diet thing. Wholeness and health emphasis on the Adventist church. Advocates vegetarianism. What's wrong with that? That's Nothing. Fine. You have low B12 and B2 and iron, but, you know, that's fine. But that's fine. Um, So, yeah, they've got these, like, articles of Azaria's clothing. And they're like, why does Azaria have a black dress and boot? Like, it's like a black, it's like a full black dress with, like, red accents. It's actually quite cute. I think it's, like. The question is, why does a baby have a black dress? Yeah. Unnatural, apparently, for having a child. Like, unnatural for, like, a child to have. A black dress. Maybe in the 1980s. A black dress. But then she's got a little pink number. I don't know. Like this just, I honestly, this whole like researching this has just been really frustrating just because it's just once again, one of the like, what, because someone's not acting the way that we think that they should be acting, we immediately jump down their throats and like think that they're guilty. And I mean, Lindy Chamberlain herself has said, why did I do this? Like, why did I say that? It's like, because you were traumatized, hon. Mm-hmm. None like of us you know were traumatized, how act. and I watched the thing with Ray Martin that interviewed her because she wouldn't talk to anybody else. Mm-hmm. So by that time, Ray Martin had left sixty minutes, which was this massive thing, because everybody fucking loved Ray Martin, and so because he'd had like kids and he wanted to stay at home and like mm-hmm. all that stuff, whereas like working for um, sixty minutes meant that you just had to go anywhere and all everywhere. Over Australia, yeah, and he was like had heard obviously about the case and like what was going on and you know he believed her basically said he just thought yeah it seems like she's telling the truth and then with all this shit that was going on Lindy was obviously expected to talk to the police like talk to the press and stuff like that to you know keep Azara's story going and also probably to prove her innocence yeah. not that she should have had to but she did and the only person that she would talk to was Ray Martin mm-hmm and I mean, she's very like how she comes across like along the media. And I mean, even still to this day when she talks about, you know, dingoes and mm-hmm. Uluru and like the whole sort of thing. She's very methodical. Mm-hmm. She's very like, because she's had to know her shit about this stuff because they, like her and Michael up until his death a few years ago have worked so, for, like for, they worked for so long to prove to like names. what had happened. Yeah. Yeah, and to, like, you know, fix what the fuck happened. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, Ray Martin, like, literally from the minute he interviewed her, was like, yeah, she 100% didn't do it. And that's the same with Tracy Grimshaw. Like, she's interviewed her over the years and, like, these people know, like, Lindy and Michael and, like, fully acknowledge that Lindy, as a person, is exceptionally emotional. Mm -hmm. But, you know, how are you going to act? Like, I don't know how I would act, like, if, if I had to go in front of cameras. took my baby, nobody knows yeah. how going to respond. It's so funny, like, saying that. Saying that phrase? Saying that phrase. And it, even just, like, talking about Azaria Chamberlain, like, yeah. it just feels so. Because the cultural impact of this, like, you know, the, the whole thing is that the phrase, like, a dingo ate my baby, which is not even what she said, has become such, like, a joke and a punchline. Obviously... For, for me, the most famous reference. And I think actually the first The time, Simpsons? No. No, Jess. Controversially, not a Simpsons reference from me. The first time I think I ever heard the phrase was, of course, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Oz's band oh is called God. Dingo Say My Baby. 
Oh my god, did he come up in Buffy? Yeah, so Oz, a main character in the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, has a band, and the band is called Dingo's Ate My Baby. Like, that's the thing. And, like, there's literally a Wikipedia article called A Dingo Ate My Baby, and it has a massive list of all of the, like, pop culture references. Which is not what she said. She said a dingo took my baby. Yes. Um, and, you know, the, yeah, there's the Simpsons one from the great episode Bart versus Australia, which, of course, gave us the phrase dollar do's. He Bart yells out to a, to a guy, like, hey, I think I hear a dingo eating your baby. Like, it's a punchline. Yeah. Like, it's I, like... Let's bring this back. Like, this was a nine-week-old baby mm-hmm. that went missing. Like, that's traumatic. That's like, traumatic. that's awful. And we're literally... So, like, also the thing that the National Museum of Australia has, they've got, like, um, like everybody loves a merchandise moment, don't they? There's, like, this Azaria T-shirt and there's scissors because the whole, like, the big thing with the, um, the jumpsuit that they found with the... Um, the blood around the neck, which you would assume, like, if there was an animal attack, that would be the first thing a that would be animal be would go would for, grab on like a wolf or a dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, even how dogs like carry their young, they always the pick them the up neck, yeah. by the scruff of the neck. So you know, and it's like scissors cutting down, and the blood spells out Azaria. Where sells that? No, no, like they like this was around the nineteen eight. Like this was like. During the nineteen eighty oh, thing, merchandise that they made souvenir T shirt produced around the time of the Chamberlain trial. That's insane. That's like it's Ted Bundy's disgusting. execution, like T shirts. What merchandise I'm fascinated about is the um, Bhagwan Rajneesh merchandise, like all the people in Oregon who were trying to like get the Rajneeshies like out the fuck of Oregon. Oh, and they've those T shirts like. Like people sometimes I like put up on like the Murderino, um, like Facebook group. They're like, "Look what I found in Portland," and it's like these like retro like anti Rajneeshis. That's fantastic. T-shirts. That's I'm fantastic. Like, That's brilliant. There's another one, and it's called and it says Darwin's Theory, mm-hmm. and it's Lindy dressed as a dingo, standing outside a tent with like a billy, That's- and then you can see Uluru in the background. That's monstrous. That's like, monstrous. how disgusting is that? And I mean, you know, all of this, like, you know, there was, as we will get into later on, um, or in the next episode. Yeah, sorry about all this chat. It's just, like, literally the initial part is Is how everybody hated this woman. And yeah. specifically Lindy. Like, Michael never got as much, like, horseshit as Lindy did. Because Lindy no. was the person in front of the cameras. And people, the entire Australian public, the international media, everybody just decided that she was guilty basically on the way that she came across. You know, she came across colder. She didn't come across as a person who, you know, she didn't. But then she, she rightfully said, she's like, if I had cried, they mm-hmm. would have told me I was acting. And then when I, like, composed myself, they said I was cold. Yeah. You can't win. No, you can't. There's one other T-shirt um, and there's Uluru in the background and then there's like a dingo like standing like a person mm-hmm. with his arm leaning against a fence post and it says tasty critters but they're a bugger to peel. Ew. How foul is that? Somebody made money off that. On Over the death of a nine-week-old baby. But yeah, so like obviously this raid happened on the Chamberlain's house and, you know, they were trying to find evidence of – you know, maybe that something had happened to Azaria at the hands of the Chamberlains. And I mean, like, 
you know, we we talk about how, you know, in previous cases that we've talked about with like Jill Ma, how they investigated Tom Ma first off because it mm-hmm. is most likely if someone goes missing or is murdered that someone they know is the one involved. So, like, I don't disagree with, like, not investigating the Chamberlains, mm-hmm. like, initially though. Mm-hmm. But then obviously, like, finding the clothing and, like, you know, whatever else. And like, the you clothing know, you was have found to, in, like, a like a place, a, like a dingo hole. Like, yeah. Uh, a, like it, yeah. A layer that dingoes used. So it's not weird, right? Like No, exactly. Um, but so obviously in the investigation of their house, which I've, it's a bit odd because like Azaria disappeared from Uluru. Like mm-hmm. I don't see what their house would have anything to do with, unless it was if they're thinking it's premeditated and there would be some kind of evidence out of her to indicate that. But they found this um, coffin at the Chamberlain house, and it's a child-sized coffin. That's an odd thing to have. Uh, Michael had been using it as like an anti-smoking campaign. Oh, okay. That sounds like the kind of thing a pastor would do. Mm. But yeah, this like. This museum has so many, like, like weird, 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 weird things. So, like, there's, like, the campsite scene and, like, all this shit. But, yeah, it's very – this whole, like, this whole case is very he said, she said, and it's very much once – like, we'll probably talk about this now – very trial by media. Very trial by media. Like, I feel like the coroner said, okay, I've investigated this for a couple of months. I've looked at the circumstances – I've looked at the evidence and I think it's death by dingo. Mm-hmm. I believe that a dingo did in fact eat your baby. I, I believe a dingo took Azaria and killed her because that seems like the most logical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Dennis Barrett was like, yep, I believe a wild dog or a dingo took Azaria and that no member of the Chamberlain family was responsible for her death, but there was – oh, he believed that there was interference with the clothing – Maybe thinking that, like, someone had planted clothing or something mm-hmm. like that. Or um, I remember reading that one of the police officers said that they picked up the clothing first before they photographed it. Well, that explains it. Oh, that yeah, that brings me to – because I was talking to my um, stepdad is a, 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 a policeman. Jess's um, stepdad is a cop story. He's a cop story. This is the segment of the show where Jess is like, my stepdad's a cop and here's the cop facts. <laughs> Well, no, because, like, I was talking about, like, interference with evidence and stuff like that, and we got on to talking because his friend is now the head of Cold Case. Yes. Cold Cases in Brisbane. And we were talking I, – I brought up Betty Shanks because, like, that was the interesting piece of evidence The was Betty's dress that mm-hmm. they put on um, display at, like, the, the fair mm-hmm. thing that happened in Brisbane, obviously to get more information and to get more people talking about what had happened to Betty – and I was just like, Jesus, like us in the past, like even in 1980, like no one knew about the, like the effects, the dramatic effects of what would happen if you interfered or you touched something you touched at a crime something. scene. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's storming the bloody scene. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, also with Uluru would be like quite hard to contain because it is just like literally out in the elements. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this whole trial by media thing, because like, and I mean, it was the same with Peter Falk. Like it's the same with like anything, but as, I think especially with, you know, it being at Uluru, which is just such a pause for fascination for people, um, like the international media just completely descended and they just took this and ran with it. Mm-hmm. And like whether or not that had a, you know, effect on 
like the decision to like have a second inquest. I think it definitely did. I think that people were kind of unsatisfied with the ruling. I think there was definitely an element of public pressure um, mm. and like a belief that, you know, the that the conclusion that was drawn was incorrect. And yeah. I think that was definitely partly driven by it was driven by other things, which will this episode kind of feels like a trailer for the next episode, but we will get it into is a it. little bit. <laughs> but just... be excited because like Ellen's done the majority of the work, so you know it's going to be stunning. Because like okay, so the first inquest was on February twentieth. This um, op- Operation Okra, that's what they called it. Like O-K-R-A. O-C-H-R-E? Oh, Okra. Okra. That makes sense. Okra. Because it's like okra. let's be real on our um. <laughs> On our um, most recent episode on our Patreon, it was true crime origin stories, and I couldn't say the word origin, so it became true crime. True crime origin. oranges. <laughs> um, and then uh, the Supreme Court, November twentieth, so literally a couple of months after that, decided they that were they like, were gonna. No, we don't think so. Yeah, the first inquest, no thanks. Um, so then the um, coroner Gary Galvin. Um, basically put Lindy to trial, mm-hmm. which I guess we'll talk about. That's what we're talking about in the next episode. Of next episode. Sorry this has been like such a trailer and such an amp up, but it was. It would have been too big for one episode and, and then we've just left, we've just had this like meandering bit. I'm so sorry. But um, yeah, so bizarre. Also so bizarre that we have the same birthday. That's always very strange. I think such a weird time. I know. Anyway. Yeah. I just, I, oh God, Lindy Chamberlain, the poor thing. Honestly. Can you imagine if the worst thing that ever happened to you in your life became an international joke that movie stars, like you're watching a movie, you're watching a movie Tropic Thunder and then suddenly somebody goes, oh, didn't a dingo eat your baby? Like imagine just being like, oh, cool. Wherever and I then go. Robert Downey Jr. in that film, like that whole that whole business is so problematic. Him like in blackface, it's fucked. Funny movie though. But then he was like, he literally says in the film, you realise like a nine-week-old baby died. Yeah, she was like, he was like, yeah, that's true. That really happened. A dingo did that, eat the baby. Like, a dingo ate the baby. Yeah. And she actually died. Yeah. No, it, it's, I can't think of a case or a story. Almost, okay, you know what it is actually? It is what? like the Kool-Aid in the Jonestown story. Mm. You know how everybody says, oh, they drank the Kool-Aid. And it'll be interesting to talk about the film that they did with Meryl Streep. Oh, with Meryl Streep's Australian accent. That's me doing. God, that's she, me like, doing Meryl Streep. God, she was beautiful. Pardon. God, she was beautiful. I mean, she is beautiful, but like her with that iconic long hair, mm-hmm. and then when she was wearing the black Lindy wig, I was like, wow, <laughs> wow, wow, what a transformation. Um, so we'll get into talking about that, and then how that you know, once again brought to the public about what they thought about what had happened to Azaria. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we'll see you in two weeks where we'll actually get down to the nitty-gritty of what happened to Look, this, this case. This I'm wasn't so sorry about this case. I'm so sorry about this episode. We didn't – we didn't uh, – that's that's fine. We'll just get a few more one-star reviews. It's okay. Should I? Should we re-record this? <laughs> no, it's too late. Oh, I feel awful. Anyway, um, so we'll come back and we'll do um, the trial and everything and stuff like that. But I hope you've enjoyed like the more like 
sort of cultural effects that this has like had, especially with us as Australians talking about this, and you can un- you can understand and feel like how uncomfortable we are to talk about this. I did just really I think that's been good saying dingoes ain't my baby. I don't think I've ever no, said that like, loud before. I feel that's what I want you all to take away from this episode. That this is like exceptionally hard for us to talk about because we feel so disgusting talking about it's it. Very, talking about it. It's very cringe to use. The- this has been like the butt of like Australian jokes for way too long. And I think that's why this episode is so bizarre is because I feel like really gross talking about it. But anyway, next step we'll get into some But anyway, really next step we'll get into the trial. Legal jargon and yeah, trial please don't leave us another stuff. one star review. Please don't. Or do, we don't really care. Or do, whatever. We're going to keep doing this anyway. It doesn't matter. We don't have a lot of hobbies. Whatever. No, we don't. All right, dolls. Well, uh, as you know, leave us a review. <laughs> um, send us an email at murder on the land of Oz Give at gmail.com. Give us a five-star one look. just to fuck with us. Five and star, be like, it was you. the Dingo's Ain't My Baby episode that really cinched it for me. You really cinched it. Um, you can send us an email at murder in the land of Oz at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Murder in the Land of Oz. You can find us on Instagram at Murder in the Land of Oz. Get in touch. Get us like getting get chatting with us. We're going to be transitioning into a new um uh, like phase of Mitlu, and we'd really love your input on some like Australian cases, obviously that you would really like us to cover that we missed um, on our first go around the country. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's plenty for us to do. Unfortunately, um, obviously. Thank you um, to everyone that's reached out, especially about what's happened recently with um, the murder of Hannah Baxter and her children. Um, we will be, you know, talking about it in more depth as more information comes out. And also, uh, you know, we don't want to make any assumptions mm. or anything like that. There's quite a you few, know, like, in the media quite, cases that we will eventually end up covering once the dust has settled and everything Once is the dust has settled, exactly. That's the thing. We don't you know we don't want to tread on anybody's toes and that's the same thing you know with especially with the uncomfortability that we're feeling about talking about lindy chamberlain um all righty well we'll thank you thank you guys and we'll see you in two weeks The Disney vs. Disney Debates podcast is all about finding the answer to one simple question. What is the best Disney movie of all time? Maybe the question isn't that simple. So join us every Saturday as hosts from all across That's Not Canon fight for their movies in one-on-one debates moderated by me, Zane C. Weber. In order to decide once and for all which of Disney's beloved classics or recent hits will take the crown. Save it for the show. Available now on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you find podcasts. Oh, that's not kind of productions podcast. Oh, sounds like there's a breakdown in communication. Next time, come to a Skoda workshop where our after-sales team speaks fluent Skoda. We understand those mysterious little sounds and can fill you in on all your car's needs. We also offer free 12-month roadside assistance and only use genuine parts. Book your service at skodaservice.ie. Skoda. Simply clever. Forward. It's the one move we're all ready to take. And at the Audi Moving Forward sales event, we're ready to help you on that journey. All Audi dealerships are now open with tailored solutions to suit your individual needs, like the Audi A6 Saloon, 
with PCP Finance from only €499 Euro per month. Now is the time to make an appointment. Now is the time to start moving forward. Audi. Vorsprung durch Technik. Terms and conditions apply.